podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Mulby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of the legend that is Jan Mulby as we look back on the week that was for Liverpool. And what a week it was, Jan. Good evening. Yeah, good evening, Trevor. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What a week. And uh, I think really for the first time this season, you might need to look at the whole situation a bit more critical uh, because there is one or two things that's creeping in that might just give you some worries uh, going forward short and long term yeah very interested to hear where where you're going with that because you had sort of flagged that up with me just before the mics went live um and do you know what what's the point in dallying let's get straight to that what do you mean by short-term versus long-term worry and where do you see those being uh, in situ well, well, obviously, right now, we look at our midfield and we look at our midfield balance. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think there's, there's been a number of games. Uh, at Wolverhampton, uh, we took Alexis McAllister off at half-time. We kind of excused that with him being away with Argentina and it was a long journey back and whatever. Uh, but we've had all the issues again on uh, Sunday at, 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 at Brighton. Uh, it was young Harvey Elliott's turn to be removed at half-time. Uh, but the biggest thing is, and this is not an individual thing, this is about, we, we, we know, of all people, we know how important a balance is in midfield, you know. Uh, and I don't know, could, could it be that that Curtis Jones is... is uh, no, there's no way Curtis Jones can be, be such a big loss that it affects us to the extent that what it did on... Uh, what I did on Sunday. So there's one or two things that worried me. And of course, Harvey Elliott playing and playing on the right and Shoppers Live then playing on the left with, he didn't quite get into it, did he? You know, uh, and, and then McAllister just, I think the biggest worry Trevor is when a player doesn't look like he's enjoying his role, you know, and I'm possibly looking at like Alexis, he's thinking, you know, I've come into Liverpool desperate to do well. And I'm being asked to play somewhere where probably don't even enjoy it where you know there's some way I can be more beneficial to the team yeah I mean the reason um, you'd imagine Liverpool were attracted to Alexis McAllister is because of his exploits as an eight um, for Brighton and for Argentina and uh, it's worth teasing this topic out now seeing as we're on it straight away um, there's a couple of questions I have for you and we'll just take them one by one let's go with the selection first because you've already uh, alluded to it it was odd um, 
it was fucking weird, Jan, I'll be honest. I, I, I was looking at I was trying to make sense of it in my head. So you take your most effective footballer of the season uh, and you put him on the opposite side so that you can accommodate a kid who, for the love of God, is not a midfielder. Please stop trying to make him a midfielder. And you play McAllister in a role that is not his best role. We, as you said already, ample evidence of that. Game and all as he is, technically adept and all as he is, brave and all as he is in terms of being willing to receive the ball with four or five guys around him. These do not make him a defensive midfielder. So we'll just deal first of all with the selection because it's really weird. In the week, we saw Wataru Endo Endo, um, withdrawn around about the halfway mark. Uh, And I think most of us were thinking, oh, looks like like uh, Endo's getting the nod because I thought he had a decent outing. Um, okay, the, the opposition wasn't exactly terrifying, but I thought his last couple of outings in a red shirt were quite solid. So it looked like, okay, maybe we're going that way, considering Curtis Jones was out of the loop. So what was your take on that selection? Can you see what the sense behind it was? Because it, I'm struggling. So you, you posed a question and, and, and you said, what about the selection? Uh, and if you don't have that information from Thursday night, you might look at that formation and go, okay, fair enough. Mm. But the fact that Endo only got the minutes that he got uh, in the game against the Belgian team didn't make any sense for him not to play. I mean, I do know that. So the first game of the season, Chelsea away, and I think if you look at it, first half an hour apart, I think we were all worried, weren't we? We were all looking at it and thinking, where are we heading with this? Now, I know the one thing that Liverpool took away from that game you know, as 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 a backroom staff, Jurgen is backroom staff. What they took away from that game was three hundred and seventy-seven passes. That's how many passes Liverpool had, and that's what they took away and went. That cannot happen again. You know, if we want to play and we want to be near the Premier League, we need to get closer to six hundred passes per game. So that was the big thing for Klopp after that first game against Chelsea. Hence the reason that. Curtis Jones in the team, a slightly different role, you know, make sure you pass the ball to one of us all the time, which then enable us to be able to build and it gives us more opportunities for Trent to play a killer pass or for Chabotzlai to do something or whatever, more, more business. So obviously that's been a big thing, isn't it? And I just wonder whether that is overshadowing it all a little bit. So we're thinking to get our passes in around 600, we need, we possibly need a press resistant number six. Whereas I'm thinking, and this is again stats versus the way that we've been brought up with the game, isn't it? You know, whereas I'm thinking we need somebody who can pluck the holes. Uh, if, if you look at the game, uh, Manchester, Arsenal, Manchester City, not a great game. But the reason that it wasn't a great game is because Arsenal have improved in those areas. They're not, you know, they they make sure that when City had the ball, they just closed and shuffled across and shut spaces down. And I'm looking at our almost inability to do that. Uh, And I think that's a big problem, isn't it? So unless Endo is a horrendous footballer, and and, and he can be, I watched him a couple of games with the Japanese national team. Uh, What I've got from Germany is only stats. But surely stats can't lie to that extent. Uh, So... You know, sometimes it's just like I've been a manager myself, Trevor, and sometimes you're kind of reluctant and you want to see more in training and you want a player 
to convince you in training, is it? But that's not always fair on the player because not everybody are great trainers. You know, some are great trainers and great players, but others are great trainers, not so great players, but vice versa, whatever it is, isn't it? So I'm just thinking we're reaching the level now where that's this time. I mean, maybe this is the time then with the next couple of games we've got coming up because we've got uh, a, a, a couple of fixes. We've got four fixes now, haven't we, where we're looking 12 points. We we need 12 points from those four fixes. But it's just it's just frustrating me a little bit, Trevor, because I, I generally thought after five or six games, even the Spurs game, I had nothing negative to say about the Spurs game apart from, from the officials and VAR. And I generally thought, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be there. So what I said was short and long term is that long term is if this continues, then the one thing we thought a certainty two weeks ago, which is a top four place, comes into play. Uh, because we've still got Newcastle. Uh, I, I know they drew in it, but that's maybe not a bad result to draw away at West Ham, isn't it? Chelsea, I, I, I don't know how how hot they're going to run, uh, but, but things are always coming together a little bit for them. We've got unexpectedly Spurs near the top, isn't it? So I'm just looking at something I thought two weeks ago. It's absolutely certain. And I'm, this is not a knee-jerk reaction, is it? It's, I'm, I'm looking at something that doesn't make me feel comfortable. Yeah, I think that the reasons for Lara Manny fault, as, you, as you've already alluded to, and, and we'll confine ourselves to the midfield for a minute because it's worth stripping apart area by area. And there are a couple of questions I want to ask you. Firstly, as an ex-manager, have you found yourself in a situation where uh, you have a bee in your bonnet about something perhaps it's not shared by your staff or perhaps a staff member has a bee in his bonnet about something that you feel you have to uh, bow to or something like that <laughs> we'll come to that in a tactical sense in a few minutes but I'm thinking here about the ongoing Harvey Elliott as midfielder experiment and for me that's what it is we already have by dint of the fact that we did not sign a defensive specialist when we clearly wanted one everyone can see that that's it's revisionism of the highest order to say oh no like look at that now you know when things were going well People are saying, oh, now you were crying, you wanted a defensive midfielder. Yes, we do. We need a ball winner. We need a defensive midfielder. Um, so we already have one improvised spot there. And McAllister, for better or worse, is doing his damnedest there and is a fine footballer trying to make something of it. Like elect, like uh, like uh, Tiago did. Running around, Tiago, barreling into lads, kicking lads over and stuff. It was what a horrible thing to watch. Um, and it feels a bit the same with Alexis, although we're playing a bit more ball. And like you say, it's more press resistance and stuff like that. But this thing of persevering with Harvey as a right-sided midfielder, when you've already decided to take Trent into the team, more of that later, uh, and you know you're going to be up against one of the most lightning attackers in the left-wing attackers in the league in Matoma, who regularly has Trent on toast, if we're being honest. it's It baffles me, Jan. I don't understand it. Why not even at least leave uh, Dom there Dom's a boss like to, who's who's a bigger unit and possibly is a bit more now about him when it comes to defence and play Harvey on the left hand side with his left foot is it that much of a stretch if you're going to insist on it so from your managerial perspective can you relate to that idea of like I'm going to make this fucking work uh, yeah nobody, nobody sure. gets it but I'm going to make it work absolutely we've all been there right uh, the one thing I was if you ever look through my managerial record I was world champion again not your best start. You know, you looked at the sort of 15 games of, of, of my seasons as a, as a manager. We got off to a, 
to what would be disappointing starts, and it was always about. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I don't think in any of those seasons, and I have to say that in, in, in three of the four seasons where we got off to bad starts, we've ended up having really good seasons. Uh, but I don't think we've achieved that in any of those jobs without having to back down on something. Mm. Uh, I mean, the one I remember most evidently was the one at Swansea. 15 games, 14 points. Uh, and I had a very outspoken assistant. I went, what do you think? He said, the problem is you, he said. You're our best player where you were looking to play. He said, every given opportunity, you take yourself out. He said, for the next three months, just play. I'll do everything else. You know, he said, we'll build a team around you. He said, I don't care. It's, it's our best option. You know, and that's what we did. And I think we won 13 in the next 17 games. Uh, and the rest is almost history. But I had to say, when I was a kid, I had to say when I was old, I hope we were never given time to turn around. But I kid, I a couple of times, I had a Senegalese 21-year-old centre-half, six foot three, lightning quick, well, as lazy as you can get. And we used to train like the train today, short and sharp, full intensity. And I was like, no way, I'm not having it. And then one day they went, give in. I gave in, we beat, we beat uh, York City 4-1, he scored a goal. Uh, and again, similar to once, I think we won 11 of the next 13 games, you know, and, and this big boy just became a hero overnight, you know what I mean? And still in training, he did fuck all, you know. <laughs> but, so it's what I said before, isn't it? Some people just get motivated by playing. Yeah, and it, it just does feel like it's it, Klopp is just, he's just do you know, obsessed. Do you know who we had in Liverpool at? It was like that, Trevor. Go on. Alan Hansen. Oh. You would have never, you would have never picked him in a million years. You, you would have generally thought it was just some guy who was at the training ground. You'd ask to join in the the, the five aside because you're a man sure. You know, he used to roll his have his socks up above his knees, stand on the goal line, be the goalkeeper, and every time he shot, he turned his back. It was just ridiculous, you know. <laughs> and here we got, you know, I mean, on, on last Friday I was out with the boys, uh, Bruce Grobler's birthday, and a few of the boys were. We were talking. And it was quite talking to somebody about Phil Thompson, uh, about Alan Hansen compared to, and he's still adamant that Van Dyke doesn't trust Hansen, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of whereas I'm a bit more like, wow, yeah, I remember, whatever. And then Phil says, no, he, 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 he doesn't get anywhere near. He, Alan just had everything. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. But Alan Hansen would have been the one where you'd have gone, you, you just can't play him on Saturday, you know. And then, of course, <laughs> towards the end, he didn't train at all, did he? Because of his knees, he just played the games. It was just the most bizarre thing ever. Sorry for interrupting me, Trevor. 
No, I actually love that because you've, you've reminded me of something as well. I was going to say to you, you probably were aware at the time because you, you were playing around the same time. Uh, Paul McGrath, probably the best player I've ever seen pull on an Irish jersey. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. In my mind, I, I, I've seen lots of great players, Liam Brady included, but McGrath was just outrageously good, outrageously good and hardly ever trained. Uh quite often was off his head during training or during the day and would pitch up on a match day and be immaculate. And I wonder, you see, it's very, con- there's a condescending attitude going around now, yeah, that, or you couldn't do that nowadays. And I honestly don't think that's the case. I understand that there might be a different sort of type of fitness. Uh, the game might be a little bit different, but you're not getting away. I don't know what people are thinking of when they're thinking of 80s football. You had athletes in the prime of their life going flat out. It's it's ridiculously condescending to say that, oh, well, you could do it back then. No, you couldn't. Only one-offs could do it, and they, they just don't exist anymore. So, Travis, one of the nights, uh, you just mentioned Paul McGrath, and I know Paul McGrath, he played for Manchester United, but I do generally think that he's a really nice guy, isn't he? You know, and he played for other clubs. And to back up what you said, everybody who's played with him says the same. Ronnie Whelan, Ray Howard and John Aldridge, they all say to Mark Lawrence, they all say the same. What a player. When Peter Schmeichel joined Manchester United, uh, we used to meet and have a meal. So Peter and his wife would come to Liverpool, we'd have a meal. And then one night, he, he's gone to uh, Aston Villa. And me and my wife have gone up to Manchester to have a meal with Peter at a hotel and we're in the bar having a drink and pizza's not arrived yet and Paul McGrath walks in and I ordered a pint of lager and a glass of wine for my wife and Paul McGrath goes in that voice got a bit of a squeaky voice and he goes in that squeaky voice I'll get that big man and so, so thank you very much thank you very much Paul he said uh, very kind uh, he's just come back from the game and blah 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 and we're having a drink and I says what are you doing here he says to me what are you doing here I said oh, we're having a drink with Big, big Michael he said, ah, oh, he said, fuck him off. He said, have a drink with me, he said, yeah, because we've had much, much more fun. And just to finish the story, this sounds, you know, so we've gone into the restaurant to have a meal. So it's Peter's Michael Manchester now, the young Malby Liverpool, and we're in Manchester, and we have the meal. And then the waiter, young waiter comes over and he goes, really sorry, but could the chef have an autograph? Bear in mind, we're in Manchester. Peter's gone, yeah, no problems. The chef come out. He's a Liverpool fan, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you couldn't script it. You know, should have seen the face of Michael. <laughs> Slapped ours. I imagine th- th- this was this is obviously before things got a bit tense between you and Michael. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it was the kind of you know even a lot of our listeners won't remember. Yes, Wilson. Uh, who, who was a day who joined in, in, in Manchester United in 1984 and we did a sort of similar thing we played United we had to stay over and, and we, you know and, and then of course by that time when, when Schmeichel came he's had a wife and I had a wife so we, 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 we thought we'd do it like that and get together a little bit isn't it but it's yeah it's just it doesn't work so it, it just doesn't work uh, <laughs> you, no, mean, you mean Crossing this the the, the club allegiance thing, yeah, yeah. It's just I don't yeah. know. It just you know, fair enough. And we play for Denmark together, and then we're in the same team, aren't we? But uh, no, it didn't work, Trevor. 
<laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that. We, uh, it's a running, it's a running theme in this show is that uh, we both have this low level antipathy towards United all the time. So it's kind of, kind of hard to, uh, kind of hard to imagine you having the crack. I, I'd say you were tempted to go off with Big Big Paul and 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 have the have the evening. Oh, don't you worry about that. I can guarantee had Manny not been there, there's no way Michael would have seen me that night. <laughs> I'm absolutely telling you, because a night out with Paul McGrath, which I've never had, is legendary, you know. I I, I, I wouldn't mind one of them. I've been out with Alex Higgins and Jimmy White, you know, and that was pretty eventful, isn't it? But I, I, I guess uh, Big, Paul, Big Paul could have matched them easy. I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, c- coming back to some of the characters in in our own team, and like we say, the midfield is with the midfield. It's Jurgen. Always been Jurgen's area of of of, of uh, experimentation, and he will do things unless he's got the most settled three ever, which he did for a couple of seasons. Uh, he'll do things which will always raise your eyebrows. It, it was in defence that I I also found things a bit odd. The, the, the attack looked after itself. We only really had three first team attackers anyway. Um, available, but I thought it was a strange move to bring in Trent, um, especially if you're going to put Harvey ahead of him uh, and Mo Salah, who does track but is not what needed for that kind of sh- shouldn't be thinking about those kind of defensive duties. It was an odd one, and the reason I bring it up, Jan, is because Trent spent most of his time inside with Joel Matip outside or Ali outside playing right back. It was remarkable to watch. And I, I'm i not sure how to best say this, but basically I'm sick of it. Um, I don't see the benefit of this. Uh, it feels, again, like the insistence on playing Harvey where he shouldn't be played. It feels like something that they're persisting with for the sake of it. And if you're going to be playing a situation, a system where you're, uh, you've got Ali putting the ball down in the six-yard box, the defenders centre half splitting, and we're going to invite them on. If you're going to be inviting on a team like Brighton, you better be defensively solid. And Trent was coming back from a long time out. Uh, Trent has been traditionally uncomfortable versus Matoma, and now you put Harvey in front of him to give him a dig out. That's weird. And then you insist on having the inverted full back shit going on again and again and again. Just play a back four is what I'm saying. Now, I'm aware sometimes I can come across a bit meat and two veg in my football opinions. What do you think about that defence, the choices and the and the system? I, I almost find it difficult to add anything to that, Trevor, uh, because I think more or less we've seen the game in the same way. What I lean up against is that we spoke on Friday and then we spoke what team we thought would, would be at and, and I just felt that Joe Gomez would make a lot of sense to keep mm. him where he was as a right back. You know, and, and, and it's like, OK, we lose something from our own play, but we shut down something that's very important for them, isn't it? With, with hoping that Joe could, could handle Mitoma, you know. So, yeah, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, and I also think that Trent would not ever admit that. But, but you know, sometimes as when, you, when you've been out for a few weeks, you've got to come back and you go, maybe not this one. Uh, you know, sort of straight into this type, because you know what? Type of game you're going to get get Brighton because they will come at you. They will commit people forward and they'll put you on the back foot, isn't it? So it's not as it's not the same as playing a team where you're going to have 75 percent possession and Trent can step into midfield and do all these little bits and bobs, isn't it? You know, it was a, it, it's a busy game when you play Brighton. It's a busy game, isn't it? So yeah, I have to say that, uh, and I, I don't like saying this, uh, Trevor, but there, there was a lot of 
It was a long decision. I mean, it's easy here, isn't it? Uh, 36 hours after the game, isn't it? But ne- ne- nevertheless, I guess a lot of people, I don't know what it was, I don't know what it's like on social media when the, when the team came out, so, but there would have been some people already then pointing out that, wow, uh, we, we, if anything, we might just have made it a little bit more difficult for ourselves. Oh, I think there's no two ways about it. And um, I've ceased to try to understand at times what's happening there between whatever dynamic is involved in the selection process between Pep and and, and Jurgen and Peter and whatever is whatever is the brain's trust there in terms of selection. It's an odd one. Um, It's another game, Jan, that went past where we don't start impressively. It's another game where we are the better team in the second half. It's another game where we concede first um, and we've done very well to get back into it and get ahead. So again, the concession of the goal in the second half was almost as much of a sickener as the Joel Matip own goal at the end of the Spurs game because you just felt there was an opportunity. Now, as it happened, the way results went, it was a perfect opportunity for us to get some ground on City. Over two games, they've zero points out of six. We have won. Um, and so we're where we are in the table, looking up at Spurs and Arsenal three points ahead of us, and that sticks in the craw anyway, um, because I don't think either is a better team necessarily than, than Liverpool. But I suppose perhaps there's a, a bit to be said for at least the fact that City aren't making that rampant progress away. You'd like to think Arsenal can be hauled in as could Spurs so with that in mind I want to just look at a few of the incidents in the game because one of the reasons why we are where we are this evening with a sort of a flat sort of feeling looking back at the two games is because of the absolute shit show that was um, the PGMOL and their um, sideshow last week this week we've had it again it's another game and I wouldn't mind but we were in the middle of doing raw immediately afterwards and someone sent me a message and I'm trying to do the show and talk live to people and someone sent me messages or videos where we've got Kovacic doing what he did and you're thinking my god what is 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 it is it a, a, a sort of epidemic in the, that they can't make good decisions but I thought the call uh, where we got a penalty but for some reason Solly March doesn't even get a yellow card never mind a red card it's very odd it's very, very strange. How do they look at that and decide that? It's another one where, you know, 10 men for Brighton might have made a difference to us. Uh, another game where we have gotten the kind of crap end of things. Well, what did you make of of uh, uh, big, uh, what do you call him, Anthony at the weekend and his buddies? I, uh, I don't quite know what to say, Trevor. Uh, I've always been quite positive uh, for VAR. I, I didn't think it solved all our problems. And I think what we learned is that VAR isn't about getting the right outcome. That's the one thing that's disappointing more than anything. It isn't always about getting the right outcome. You know, because sometimes you go, that's not clear and obvious. You know, you can't see that foul from the moon. Do you remember when, when people spoke like that? You've got to be able to mm. see the mistake from the moon. You know, and you go, no, I want VAR to put right what the on-field referees get wrong. Uh, so what am I thinking now? I'm thinking that VAR 
and Curtis and the red card and Kovacic against Arsenal, all of them, I understand these are all subjective, yeah? You know, it's, it's, it's a view you have of that incident. Uh, but because VAR, VAR should be able to help by being consistent, yeah? You go to VAR and you go, I know what we're getting. That's a red card. That's not a red card because that's how VAR refereed the games. But they don't. VAR is more inconsistent than the referees on the pitch. And that's a worry. So it's making me think, Trevor, do we want to see less of VAR and let the referees on the pitch ref the game? Because this VAR, constantly, when you think, because they're seeing the same as the punters uh, uh, sitting in front of the TV, isn't it? I, I don't know, Trevor. What was the outcome on Raw after? I mean, what is the general consensus? I mean, shall we fuck it? I mean, shall we fuck it off? Or what, what, what are we going to do, Trevor? Well, I, th- I think it's where we've landed, you and I. We're always sort of waiting to give it another chance, but it, it's the implementation of it. It's like it, it, there's a whole dead end people go down where they start talking about well it's not the technology the technology is perfectly nothing fine. wrong with the technology no exactly and and and, and nobody's saying there's anything wrong with the freaking technology and why they're getting defensive about technology i don't know but they are what we're saying is that the people who are implementing it or the people who are making calls based on this technology are still getting it wrong and we have from the mouth of mike dean uh, an admission that they're looking after their pals as well that there is a sort of a we're in this together, lads. Uh, the unit gotta gotta back each other up, protect each other, and so on and so forth. And it is incredibly frustrating. And I think you'd like to think that perhaps there's going to be a few things coming up and out of some of the horrible calls that have been made. But instead, what we get is we get Darren England is not allowed to uh, be involved in Liverpool games. Now, I'm sorry, Jan, but that's the most damning thing I've ever heard. If he's that shit, he shouldn't be involved in any games. And if he's good, why is he not allowed to be involved in the Liverpool game again? That's just really weird. And it speaks to perhaps a bias that he has. If I was Darren England, I would be sick because I'd be thinking, they're saying I hate Liverpool. Mm. That's what that yeah, seems exactly, to say, yeah. right? I've got something against Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what, an what, accusation that, what an accusation that is. Isn't it odd? It's just so odd. The way they're going about it, I'd have no real hopes that they're going to do anything too dramatic. But, you know, I mean, it's 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 very, very unfortunate that we have this ability uh, to make these decisions and we don't have the people willing to make them. That's basically what it is. And like you said, the big thing is that people can see and they're waiting for the correct decision to be given and it doesn't happen. And it's just it's hard to take uh, and it's just it just has a feeling of, of a thing that's a bit out of control the sooner they have an outside body doing at least the uh, computer side of things with VAR the better I think because the the, the, the PGMOL sort of uh, club is not a good look and it's ha- certainly not good for results did you see by any chance I know you're not a man that watches a huge amount of TV but did you see uh, an ex uh, a, 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 Temporary of yours, Paul Merson, uh, having a run in with Mike Dean on Sky. Did you see this, Jan? Well, no, it was I didn't quite, see it, Trevor. It was quite remarkable. I'm sure you've seen bits and pieces of Merson over the years. I've on seen Sky. the headlines and I've seen Merson sort of, you know, you could see he was shouting at Mike Dean. Right. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I have murdered the audio. 
Well, basically, Merson's one of these guys who, the bit you'll have seen of him, he, look, Paul doesn't come across the brightest of sparks. And, no, you know, no. he, he, he has trouble with some basic ideas sometimes. And so it's easy to laugh at the guy and set him up as the clown. And sometimes I think he plays the clown on that panel. Um, but Mike Dean was in a situation where he just kept saying, well, it's the law, it's the law. And Merson just blew his top. And he went over the top, perhaps, in the way that he expressed it. But for once in my life, I'm thinking, you're right over the target here, Merson. Keep going. But the upshot is, and the way it's being presented by Sky, and this is where I'm going with this, Sky is the issue here. Because Sky presented Merson as the buffoon, Mike Dean as the lad who was trying to get the common sense point across. Today, we saw Sky doing uh, freeze frames of Virgil van Dijk with his hand out and the ball hitting it, which sort of reminds me, I don't know if it reminds you, of a certain freeze frame that the PGMOL boys were showing to the referee as he went over to the monitor uh, in the previous game against Spurs, where it was a freeze frame of what looked like a leg breaker. And you're thinking, are these actually winding us up on purpose? Or are they just all about being in the same club and selling the product and maximising the outrage. Do you ever think that's part of it, Jan, just to maximise well, the outrage? For the last picture I saw before I went on here this evening was that picture. Mm. Uh, because I was doing a little bit of Googling and I saw that picture from Sky with Virgil standing there as if he's handled the ball and I think the headline said something like, this is why Deserby lost his head or whatever, yeah? And you think, well, what, what's that got to do with what happened on Sunday? Uh, so my worry is... Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week so make sure you listen to everything we're doing on epl index and follow us there on twitter at epl index thank you bye-bye is that producers and junior producers and whatever whether they gauge the overall feeling from social media and they kind of go with with that because they they get a feeling that this is what people want to talk about i I don't think that's healthy uh you know you, you i mean the Virgin and Dyke, does that really need to be shown? Technically, so do we need to show that? It's not important, is it? Hits, hits, hits his leg and, and bounces up in the arm. Is it, is it important that we even spend any time on, on that? Do we have to see that three or four times when it's so so obviously so clear that it's, 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 it's not a penalty? You know, it's Just because their manager's lost his head and he's got booked doesn't mean we need to turn it into a massive big story and look at this. Isn't it? So, yeah, it is a bit, how do we best sell this? And how do we, and it's a big thing for the TV companies, job, isn't it? The moment that the final whistle goes, how do we keep hold of our viewers? You know, mm-hmm. and obviously, right after the break, 
let's have a look at our controversial incident where Virgil van Dijk handled the ball or whatever it is, isn't it? So it's yeah, we're we're, we're we're probably not getting probably not getting what we 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 want from our TV companies. So to be honest, I think it was five six years ago the people who had been involved in the setup of Twitter and Facebook openly admitted that the way that the sites were driven, even the algorithms, was to drive outrage and negative reaction. Why we would think that television companies wouldn't do exactly the same? Because it gets engagement. If you see something that annoys the shit out of you on Twitter, you keep clicking, you want to find the next thing and you want to shout into the ether. Uh, Same with TV. And it's what drives engagement. Listen to talk radio, Jan, after after matches. It, it's it's unlistenable. It's some lad with veins popping in his neck shouting about everything that's wrong in the world. And I think that's the way Sky have gone. It's very, very sad to see. Now, I'm not saying they weren't always a bit like that, but even just as someone like Gary Neville, who's, who's you know, nominally like uh, well, <laughs> the, 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 the hero of the working man, you know, and turns out he's just a company man for Sky when it comes to it driving that kind of negative reaction and outrage and winding people up and it's just it's it's all a bit pathetic really I I suppose what it makes you possibly glad of is a week or two away from it so we can reset and you mentioned that there's a a big run of fixtures coming afterwards and I kind of want to look at them but before we move away from Brighton completely it would be remiss me not to ask you about a man you've just mentioned there, and that's Roberto de Zerbi. And what what I find really fascinating, and I, I think it's probably premature, but I found really fascinating that when there was some chat about maybe Kloppo coming, going, not settling, not signing contracts, or even when he does sign a contract, people talking about 2026, de Zerbi could be the man. And I'm aware, again, in the same sort of social media way that people just hop on bandwagons. But I'm, I'm really interested to hear your take on him as a manager. Um, I had a quick look when he came to the Premier League at what he had done before. And I know he was halfway decent with Sassuolo and he, he was off in was it Shakhtar, I think, as well. And that's all I kind of knew about him. And, and, and the the pedestal people have placed this guy on he's, he's a younger man than me he's like 44 45 something like that and it's hard to it's hard to rationalize for me so i'm wondering like what am i not seeing that you can see that's you know clearly making these people lose their mind about deserby you can see he's got a, an attractive side but um i'm just wondering what what do you see when you see him as a coach and do you see potential for him to be potentially in one of the big big jobs at some point I think there's definitely potential in him. Uh, again, immediately what you would say is it looks like another good selection by Brighton. They've done the mm-hmm. homework on what type of manager they would like. What is the manager? What's, what's the manager got to be able to do? And the one thing you have to do, and this isn't necessarily at every club, Trevor. People always assume that a manager's job is to make players better. It isn't always. But if you're at Brighton, when you buy players 18, 19, 20 for next to no money, your job as a manager is to make the players better individually, but also make them better as, as, as a team business. So he's done that. I mean, we go back to Graham Potter and the trouble that Brighton had scoring goals when he was there. You know, they hardly ever scored any goals. That was a big issue. The Sherby comes in, bang, the floodgates open, they score goals from everywhere. He improves so many players. But still, 
I don't know. Still, they lose 6-1 last week at Villa. They lose 5-1 at home against Everton towards the back end of last season. They got turned over good and proper by West Ham at home, 3-1 as well. So, still, I'm looking and I'm thinking, yeah, OK, he might not have the same quality of players he would have if he was at Liverpool or Manchester City or whatever. Has he done enough? I think if, if, if anyone picks him, they would pick him on, on the same sort of background that Brighton took him from Shakhtar Donetsk. But there's a lot of potential here. You know, and I, I think if, if, let's say it was Liverpool, I think you couldn't be sure. You would take a guy that you would think would have a lot of potential. You would have a guy you think would be able to, to improve everything, isn't it? But there's absolutely no, no guarantee. So I am a little bit, you know, because often in, in the job that I do, and so I was at Manchester United on Saturday before the game. We'll talk about Ten Hag, and if Ten Hag is not here, who should it be? Is and there isn't many to have, is it? You know, if you look at that uninspiring list of people that could replace Ten Hag, you know, I think Sinisins is Danny's favourite, and you got Antonio Conte and all people like that. You go, wow, you know. So there is a shortage of exciting managers that gives you that feel that when they come into your club, they can do the job, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Disturbia, on one hand almost gives me that feeling. I also think there's certain moments where I think, I don't know, I mean, Brighton, improve young players, enjoy yourself, score loads of goals at the end, you finish seventh or twelfth, not a big deal, is it? But that's not what it's like to be at a big club, is it? There's nothing like that at big clubs. I, I'm, I'm comparing and contrasting in a very unfair way to Jose Mourinho, who was already incredibly successful at the Zerbi's age. And I'm comparing and contrasting with some other people. And it just makes me wonder. Um, it's a question we talked about when we were talking about potential successors for Jurgen before. Um, and I have it in my head that you need to have been a trophy winner if you're going to come in and take over from a trophy winner in the shape of Jurgen Klopp. And you're going to have to have that sort of big, larger than life personality as well. So I don't think it's a punt uh, that you take. Um, and I'm wondering, is Deserve possibly a step away? Or maybe if he can do something exciting with Brighton this year, is he a step away from being with a club where he can win that trophy or two and then make the next step? Like I say, still a youngish man. That's probably possible, right? That he could have that career arc. Yeah, but is the show be capable of winning trophies? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know what he's capable of. Uh, but if I say to you now, three years ago, who was going to be the best manager in the world for the next 20 years? And we would agree three years ago that it had been Julian Nagelsmann. Yeah, he was the one. Young, in at Leipzig, waited to this guy. Well, he got his chance. Got his chance with Bayern Munich. Didn't work. Now he's with Germany. Yes, not a great time to be the German national manager because they don't have a good team, isn't it? So I'm looking at these and I'm thinking, Mourinho, when he joined Chelsea in 2004, although he won the Champions League with, with Porto, uh, which in itself is an incredible achievement, but I just felt, and I think you might have felt the same, Trevor, I, I just felt he was rock solid. You know, I looked at that and went, there's only one place this is going to go. And then once you came into England, you realised that also the only guy who's going to spoil this is Mourinho. Hmm. Uh, because that's what he did in the end a couple of times, didn't he? But the success was always going to come 
It's just a case of how long. So where is that serial trophy winner that we want at Anfield to continue what we're doing at the moment? I don't know. I'm a big fan of Sporting Lisbon's manager, Ruben Amarim. You know, I look at him and I'm thinking, I might be wrong. You know, I might be wrong. But I just think that Sporting Lisbon has seen something. They, I think they paid 10 million euros to Braga to get him out of there. So-so uh, last year, but did quite well in Europe, top of the league. Now, I, I don't know. I'm just looking and I'm thinking, where is that next? I mean, what reputation did the boy at Bournemouth come in with, you know, from from uh, from Spain? And he was going to do all sorts and high press and you're going to love this guy. And there we are, eight games, no wins and probably on his way back to Spain. Listen, so it's... It's so, so difficult, isn't it? It is. And it's a weird time because that old guard of the British managers that were the safe pair of hands, cliche types, they're on the way out. There's not many of them left. You've got David Moyes left. You've got a few guys knocking around. Roy Hodgson somehow weirdly is still knocking around, but it won't be long. And then it's going to have to be this new generation and quite who they are. I'm not sure. Is it, is it the Eddie Potter or Eddie um, Howe and, 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 and Potter generation? Who knows? It's going to be interesting to watch. I'm, I'm like you. I don't see where the big stars are in the managerial game at the moment. The one thing that jumped into my head when you were talking about United, and we, we have time, so we might as well go there. If they could land um, Simeone, that might be the one that, you know, he's... He has trophies. He has a larger-than-life personality. Now, it didn't work for Conte, who's got the same two boxes ticked in his uh, CV uh, when he came to England. But what do you think about that as a potential for United? And was that the general gist? Because I know they snuck out with a win at the weekend, but apparently quite undeserved or very, very lucky to get it. Uh, do you think there's something building there that he might be under pressure? They were so bad, Trevor. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or Go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. They were so bad, Manchester United. That I could hardly explain it. You are honest. Absolutely nothing. Uh, the manager isn't under pressure. And that comes from the people in charge and making decisions who haven't got a clue. Because they know that if we sack this guy, we have to appoint somebody else. 
And if when somebody else doesn't work, then eventually you are going to lose your job, aren't you? So I assume that the people in charge of Manchester United are waiting until they find that guy, you know, where they go, this this will be okay, you know. Uh, and, and where that guy is, I, I, I just don't know. Diego Simeone is a guy that would be perfect in many ways because of how he does things. You know, it's a slow process, but he starts from the back. He makes you difficult to play against. You don't lose many games. You don't concede any goals. And and I guess Manchester United are Manchester United in a similar situation that we were, Trevor. We had a we had a 15 year spell, you know, around the, the turn of the century where we picked up a few trophies and whatever. But we also had spells where we just didn't look like a team. And you think, how do we ever get out of this? You know, how do we ever be, been able to move on? Isn't it? Then in a similar situation, is right now you look at that and you go. They'll never get that right. But of course, one day they will. Like, we've got it right one day, isn't it? So, of course, one day, again, they'll get it right because they'll, they'll always have the resources to do whatever they do, isn't it? But it's a real interesting. It's, it's interesting, Travis, and what happens. So, three big clubs in English football, and I believe these are the three biggest clubs in English football, Liverpool, Manchester United and Arsenal, all run in similar veins, yeah? Don't have somebody sitting behind and going, here's 100 million, here's 200 million, isn't it? And when those clubs fall off the perch... Takes a long time, doesn't it? You know, yeah. And you know how long it took us. Arsenal's last title. When was that? That was Invincibles in what 2004. So they had four. Yeah, they're nearing 20 years, aren't they? You know, and Manchester United. Who would have thought that? They're nearing 11 years, and before you know, that will be 20. So it's, it's it really is interesting. You know, once you start to, uh, how do you stop them? You know, and you got. You know, you, you've got a lot of things going for you, isn't it? But you just can't find that missing ingredient, can you? You know, and that's all it was, Trevor. When it, we, we found that one missing ingredient, you know, turning that shit dinner into a nice dinner that I can actually eat, isn't it? You know I mean? and, <laughs> but that's, it was it was as simple as that, wasn't it? And yeah, that was yeah, crop, yeah. wasn't it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so what were we saying? Clops like some sort of sauce? <laughs> Is that what we were well, saying? Well, you know, he was just, you know, you just need a bit of spice, Trevor. Yeah, yeah. You know? This is terrible. This what and somebody put something in. You go, wow, you know. And that's what it was. One of the club. I'm a big fan of Jurgen Klopp. But when he walked in, I went, yeah. But well, what's he going to do right now? You know, because I looked at some of the players and I think, well, do you think he's a miracle maker? You know, slow down. This is this is this is a fucking difficult job, isn't it? But you know, the sauce. He, he brought the right sauce, Trevor. That's he the right sauce. It worked quickly. It worked quickly. Uh, plenty of jalapenos in it. We 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 have a, a quick opportunity to talk about what's coming when we chat next which will be in about a fortnight i just want to quickly look at those fixtures that are coming up with you um the far side of the break we come back with the derby um that is an anfield game we then go in the europa league away to 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 lose um on the thursday after that saturday Straight away, then it's a turnaround on Thursday to Sunday with Forest at home, which you mentioned. We go to Bournemouth in the Carabao um, on the Wednesday. Turn around quickly again on the Sunday to Luton, another away game. Uh, off to Toulouse on the Thursday, home to uh, Brentford uh, on the following Sunday. And it's such a quick turnaround. And then there's that gap between that and the Man City game. Now, it's tempting to look at those, the four Premier League games, the two European games and the Carabao Cup game. 
and say that thing that we've often said over the course of five years doing this, which is should win all of those. And I find myself leaning towards that. I think what I'm saying to you is I don't think the setback of only one point from six is as big a psychological blow as it might have been in other times. And I feel that we'll reset, come out of that international break, assuming that we don't have lads on stretchers, and be set to run into that in a very positive way with, with, with you know, perhaps added motivation. Um, I'd be very optimistic about that run of fixtures, Jan, and, and I, I'm kind of worried about myself because uh, that hasn't been a feeling for a couple of years. What, what, what do you say when you when you look at that run ahead of us? Yeah, you got to be careful having feels like that, Trevor. I'm not sure where it's going to take you. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you have teams and they have setbacks. I'm not talking about Liverpool in generally. You have teams that have setbacks and you go, wow, I can see them having some difficulties getting over that. I don't see that with Liverpool. You know, I, I see them, even the new players that have been brought in, a World Cup winner and and, and, and Dominic, well, I see them at all, as all being mentally strong, so that's not going to be an issue. Uh, what's going to cause us any problems here? Obviously, what team he decides to play at Bournemouth uh, in the League Cup, uh, and possibly what team he decides to go with in France for the Europa League, isn't it? Of the Everton. I don't think Everton are as bad as people make them out to be. And I think they'll be quite capable and be compact. They're a big, strong, physical side. But in the end, they, they don't have our energy. They don't have our quality. It's at home, so we should win that. Forest is not as easy as... Forest is one of those teams that I can't quite make them out. But they're difficult to beat. Uh, they never get really badly turned over. They're always in games. And they do have players you can hurt they've got some really good individual players isn't it uh, Luton yeah I mean you can ex- can you imagine how excited they're going to be Luton you know uh, welcoming Liverpool uh, back at Kenilworth Road great Brentford is a tricky game again because Brentford's got a very clear way of playing difficult to play against the best of times big 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 on set pieces defend deep blah 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 whatever isn't it but surely we flat out we win all four of those league games, yeah, and then we get ourselves ready for the international break because straight after the international break, you know, we have Manchester City and then we get into December where our Christmas present is Manchester United and Arsenal just before Christmas, John. Manchester United and Arsenal just before Christmas and I'm not sure, I could be wrong here, but I think we might be missing Mo Salah for AFCON around about that time as well, which isn't ideal. Uh, but we will worry about that particular stretch uh, when we get to it. For now, it's interesting just to have a quick look ahead to that. I've got one question for you, two questions for you before we go, and we'll finish up a minute or two early soon. I can't leave you without asking you about your memories of Luton because, correct me if I'm wrong, but as a guy who was obsessed with the team, around about the time that you were playing in it. Um, limited enough media coverage, but you never missed the result. You knew exactly what was going on and you saw matches a day, etc., etc. But for a while, Luton, Mick Harford, the Steen brothers, felt, was it Mal Donaghy? He used to play at the back, mm-hmm. the Northern Irish kid. Felt a bit like a, 
bad dream for us, like a bit of a nightmare place. The plastic pitch. I remember uh, one game where there was it was basically all white and there was an orange ball and that didn't go particularly well. What what are your memories of that? Do you do you remember it with that kind of like wince as well as I do? So I think, unless I'm remembering wrong, my first game ever looting away on a Tuesday night we won two one. It was on the grass, okay. and then they turned into an astroturf, which you would think would suit us because we were a passing team. But what we actually were, Trevor, we were a passing into space team. Yeah. You do that on the AstroTurf, you're fucked, mate. Yeah. It just never stops. Luton, better at it than QPR because they also had a plastic bit. Luton were better. Everything to feed you. Yeah? Yeah. Everything was to feed you, isn't it? Everything evolves around set-up play everything into fee, isn't it? I'm putting balls in behind for Russia and the ball just keeps going. Balls over the top for Craig Johnson and he just never stops. Uh, remarkable that we didn't get it right. Some people say, well, fucking hell, get your shit together, you know what I mean? But I felt like we viewed us as two games in a season and we weren't going to spend any energy on it. We go down we play the games, we get out of there. So yeah. it's not as if we train on AstroTurf pitch in Liverpool in that week leading up. It's not as if we had a decent pair of, because we didn't play in our boots. It's not as if we had a decent pair of shoes to even play in, you know. So we would travel down, very unusual, we would travel down on a Friday morning, uh, have a bit of lunch, and then we'll train on the pitch for like half an hour. And you could almost sense running around going, burr, burr, burr. shit this, let's go back to the hotel. And it, it generally was like that, you know what I mean? Because we just we just never, ever gave it... It's not respect, it's because massive respect for Luton and, and, and QPRs, but it was just almost like they went, These are, this is not football. You know, it's like, this is not football. You know, yeah. Yeah, today you'd go, yeah, but this is the fucking challenge they've set us. Yeah. 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 Set us this. We've got to play these two games a season. Points and we were like almost like, yeah, you know, let's just play it and see how it goes. And I think we had. I know we lost an FA Cup replay there three 0 I lost. We lost a league game four one. I also think we lost a league game three 0 and whatever. You know what I mean? We we uh, and it was almost like when we had to um, when we won a double in the eighties five eighty six. I actually think we won one 0 down there. Craig Johnson scored, isn't it? But. Beyond that, there's not many men, not many. And of course, it was the first game after Kenny Douglas uh, had resigned as, as a Liverpool manager. And we went down there and, you know, what do we need now? Well, we need a positive result, don't we? You know, keep everybody's chins up. King Kenny's gone and whatever. <laughs> we lost 4-1. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I did my bit, Trevor. I scored. I did my bit. There you go. There you go. You can remember it with a little bit of pride. And the, the last question i got to ask you before we go. Do you have any memories of your night out with uh, Alex Higgins and, 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 and Jimmy White? Do you actually remember so, how that night ended? <laughs> so it was, it was after uh, Question of Sport. We recorded a Question of Sport on a Sunday where they do two shows. Uh, and I was in the one show with Jimmy White and Ian Russ was in the other show with Alex Higgins. So at the end of the game, uh, they'd asked Russ if we'd go on Question of Sport. And he said, I'll only go if Jan can come. And they'd asked Jimmy White, and he'd said, I'm only coming up if Alex is on his device. <laughs> so, although none of this was planned, but 
it was like Alex Higgins, we were in Manchester and Alex went, come on then boys. And me and Mercy looked at each other and gone, what? Come on boys, let's, let's, let's go out and have a beer, you know. And first thing we're thinking, fuck, it's Manchester, you know. But then we're thinking, it would be all right because we're with Alex and we're with Jimmy and whatever. And to be fair, it was, it was surreal, Trevor. Mid-80s, you know no idea how big these boys were. You know, they were big. Massive. Huge. Yeah, massive, massive, massive. And to be fair, Alex left on the front, you know what I mean? But it was a it was a messy night, you know what I mean? It was like but it was it was it was it was good fun. They were they 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 were they were good fun somehow at two or three o'clock in the morning. We sort of lost each other and went each other's ways. But it's nothing specific about it apart from I, I just snooker. We'd never seen a game of snooker and then I hardly knew what it was. I just had no idea how big these boys were, you know what I mean? And everybody's like, you know, Jimmy, proper Cockney boy, when you know, everybody loved Jimmy. Why, Jimmy? You know, sounds good, you know. Yeah, so, uh, and of course, Rossi was famous as well, and the only one he didn't know was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine snooker being so popular back then. It was, a, it was just bananas. It was just such a, era for it i mean i know people still are interested but those guys were superstars back then on a level you can't even imagine but we are at the end as ever and i want to wrap it up by saying for another great show thanks very much no problems Trevor. so we got a few weeks before we kick off but we're first on that we when we come back against everton so uh let's get it together and let's go again Let's go again, and uh, hopefully we'll be on a run of decent games uh, like we've been having, except the last two results, I suppose, are a little bit of a flattener, but it's been good and very enjoyable, and Malby on the spot has felt a bit more like Malby on the spot, Yeah, I think it's fair to say where we're looking at a team and feeling optimism, and as we looked ahead to those fixtures, you could see the optimism in the main man there for those, so I'm looking forward to them as a result. So from myself, Trev Denny, from the legend that is Ian Malby and from Anfield Index Pro this is Malby in the spot we'll be back with you after the international break we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.